Welcome to Identity Talks, the podcast where we discuss all things identity, access management and cybersecurity. I'm Stacey Dixon, Client Relationship Manager at Identity Experts, and joining me today I have our Chief Technologist, Matt Fernandez. Hi, Matt. Good morning. <laughs> and also we have two very, very special guests um, from across the pond here to talk to us about the future of IoT and AI in healthcare, and that's the owner of Forward Thinking Personal Health Solutions Company, Life Mesh, Joshua Fishberg and Dewey Pham. Um, hi, Josh and Dewey. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Afternoon here in the UK. We've been up a few hours longer than yourselves. <laughs> So um, thanks for joining us today, guys. Um, really do appreciate it. Um, can you, first of all, I think it's nice for you to talk a little bit about yourselves. Um, just give us a brief introduction as to how you got into the world of technology um, and what your roles are within Life Mesh. Good afternoon. So we've already said that. This is uh, Josh Fishberg here. Um, my history is kind of interesting in terms of in terms of technology. So as a kid, my parents recognized in me a from a from a very young age a propensity for taking things apart, reassembling them and sometimes improving them. Um, so they decided to invest in that. And from a very young age, uh, they immersed me in, in uh, a technological kind of background. Uh, my mom had the ability to put me into a technical college when I was 12, uh, where I, I had some programming background. And then I really just started out in the world of entrepreneurship from, from that point in time. Um, my, my background includes um, essentially founding a, uh, a games uh, company. We sold games when I was in my, my grade school. Um, and after that, I've had uh, several consulting companies focused on the world of, of telco. Uh, and we did implementations and, you know, very early on in the world of broadband, like 1999 to about 2002, I was working uh, with that company, implementing broadband on a commercial basis. Uh, after that, I got into the world of, of telco and built uh, billing and rating solutions uh, with customer relationship management, partner relationship management and intercarrier settlements. From there, it was into the world of retail and I spent a good... Wow, uh, just about 15 years um, in in retail in total, and my roles really combined uh, analytics uh, with with a bit of a customer spin on it. I would say um, after a personal experience where both my parents were ill and the company that I worked for was acquired by a private equity firm in Miami, I had to move down here, and being the primary caregiver uh, for both of them made it incredibly difficult. Uh, to really have visibility into, you know, how are they doing? Uh, what are their upcoming appointments? Have they experienced a fall? Are there changes in, in their medication? I mean, these are really questions that all of us are faced with at some point in our life and as our, our parents um, begin to age. It may not be our parents. It may also be other individuals within our, within our family. And the reality is, is that this is, there is an ongoing problem. It's, it's a global problem and it, it affects everyone. So uh, having put my entrepreneurial uh, background and technological um, uh, acuity to work on this particular problem, we, we start, I started to enlist the help of some incredible people who I've worked with over the years. Dewey is, is certainly one of them. 
And we realized that the problem, it really all relates back to, you know, how are we leveraging the information that we have about people today? So thinking back to the problem about my parents, where is there some repository where we can collect the details that we need to really understand somebody's state of being. But then think about it on a global spectrum. It's not just about my parents. I mean, it's about everybody's parents. It's about each and every one of us. It's the medical story of our lives and our, our care continuum. And so we, we began to put together the very earliest stages and pictures of, of what Life Mesh would bring to the table. And the reason that we call it Life Mesh is because it's meshing together all of these threads of, inf of health information that we have about us that are collected in a myriad of places. And so, you know, as, as I'm sure you'll see as, as we chat, this is a common theme. You know, really the problem is how do we collect the information? How do we make sure it's of the best quality and it's secure? And then how, how do we disseminate it to individuals when they need it um, and ensuring that they're authorized to view it and that it's meaningful and it's presented in a way that they can make sense of it. Absolutely, Josh. Yeah, you make a really good point there. Um, and 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 as you say, we will go more in depth on that as we go into the call, um, in, in, into the podcast. So, um, do we, do you want to kind of do the same? Give us a little bit of an introduction about how you came into the into the world of technology and your role in, in Life Mesh, please. Yeah, sure. Um, it's kind of funny because I I uh, I, had, I had an exposure to the computer when I was three, so I knew. I was familiar with MS-DOS commands before I can speak any kind of language in any kind of reliable manner. And just having that affinity to technology at a very young age sort of just um, basically set the path uh, for me. I, you know, I took a lot of programming courses in, in, in high school. I remember, I remember going from that transition from high school to, uh, to university where you know, um, the programming classes that I took in high school were around basic and it was one more language and it was, it was, it was based on a sort of drag and drop kind of uh, way of, of doing things. But, you know, the people in my class during my first year, they knew C++ on the back of their hand and I need, oh my, I, I, I need to do a lot of catch up. So I kind of immersed myself to um, the world technology through that, just, just learning different types of programming languages, taking on personal projects. And uh, I went to the University of Waterloo, and what's 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 special about that university is their co-op program. So I actually got a lot of exposure into different industries, healthcare, finance, and then um, ultimately, actually, where I met Josh is in in, in retail. Um, and it's it's it for me it was it was interesting transitioning from being sort of a traditional software engineer to somebody who's sort of much more detail oriented about the data itself. So. You know, the software engineer may be, be concerned about the details of transporting um, data from point A to point B and making sure it's, you know, between that transition, you know, that data is in a state ready to either uh, be further processed for two downstream systems or uh, ready for, for any kind of analytical purpose. Um, and it was within retail where I got the exposure to, you know, understanding the customer and the customer journey and, and, and every sort of micro detail um, that can go into understanding um, customer behaviors, assuming that, you know, customer behaviors never are static, they're dynamic, they change over time. And, and that's especially true in the retail industry where um, what might be in season, in flavor this year, uh, maybe something completely different um, in, in, you know, in, in the following year. Um, and so our, our backgrounds, uh, given that, you know, we have that, that, that exposure to 
retail and, and customer analytics within retail. I think there's there's a lot of parallels we can take um, trying to understand, you know, I guess what I'll call the patient journey. You know, so the decisions that a, a, a patient makes, you know, um, it could be the time that the, the, the time of sleep that they uh, usually try to have, um, the quality of that sleep, you know, their, their any kind of routine of regular exercise, um, all that data, you know, has some kind of correlation to any kind of medical conditions in their current state. Um, and having had that exposure to the customer journey and the type of analytical models that are in place, there's, 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 there's absolute parallels where we find um, opportunities to leverage the, the, the techniques and the approaches um, and fitting it to, to patient data. Um, and this is, this is definitely going to be a theme that we'll touch on for later in the podcast. So it sounds to me kind of like the approach you're taking is um, different to a lot of, of um, uh, startups through to big businesses where they, they have an idea and they develop it and they build a platform and they say, okay, users, here's our platform, go ahead and use it. You're more looking at the 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 customer perspective may, might not be the right phrase, but you're looking at the the user experience of of how this person is going to be able to get benefit from bringing this service and all of this data together, and then you're building the platform around that to make sure that actually in a very real world capacity, uh, it's useful. So that sound about right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 it's. Um... You know, there in in the one the one thing that that's that's very applicable in retail that's also true in in healthcare is that you know it's this idea of customer centricity. You know, you have this understanding of who the customer is and all the surrounding transactions that relate to the customer. I think when you think of the patient and you know, let's call it patient centricity, um, you want to develop this narrative of who this person is, um, what choices did they make, um, and what transactions can we observe. In, in, in a sort of time series format. And with all that data surrounding the patient, um, when we want to analyze it to either predict, um, you know, given that we see transactions A, B, and C, and this description of the patient, how does that correlate to predicting some kind of unplanned adverse event or some kind of medical condition that may or may not appear with this patient? So it, it, it's, it's, you know, the patient is in is in the, the center of our analysis, and everything um, basically just surrounds that. I'm interested as well in um, the differences between, of course, our healthcare systems. I mean, Stacy and I are looking from the view of the NHS, where we've got the public healthcare system, and we might be looking at how this service might help to free up funds within the NHS to do different things, or you know, um, re- reduce stress on staff. And, but there's an entire different angle from your side as well, where you've got um, literally saving users thousands of pounds, or sorry, thousands of dollars, I should say, for um, you know what could potentially be a, a false alarm and a potentially expensive visit to a hospital for something that might not be needed. Yeah, and, and so Matt, just to clarify, we are bilingual. We do speak dollar and pound. Um, but, um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, really, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, in, in the context of what Life Mesh is looking to bring to the table, we aren't looking to replace doctors. I know a lot of companies that are out there 
are trying to bring solutions which reduce the need for doctors, but we see a, a major problem being a deficit of information and a deficit of targeted insights to help individuals make better decisions. So, you know, we, we definitely see, obviously, with, with Brexit and the potential impacts um, on, on those who are, you know, just in a broader context caring for individuals throughout the UK, um, you know, there is a potential impact there. It's, does anybody know how, you know, for instance, workers from the EU that are presently in the UK are going to uh, stay, remain gainfully employed? I mean, hopefully there's a solution to that. And hopefully that red tape is just cut through. But even if they remained, the, the, the fact is, is still that people are getting older at a, at a far greater rate. Global healthcare is going to, you know, a total of 10 trillion uh, in expense or in spend by 2022. And that really represents an increase of 5.4 percent, which is which is accelerating. So not just on the cost side, because unfortunately to care for people, it 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 takes money. So we need to come up with solutions that help individuals, that help people take better proactive care of themselves, that bring their family, their friends and their loved ones into the dialogue and really helps those caring for people to just have better information about how they should proceed with with taking care of, of a broader populace. You hit on a really good point there as well um, about not looking to replace doctors uh, and it being about the information. And that that's something that possibly needs to be highlighted a lot more in that it's not about getting rid of people's jobs. It's about, given that we've got limited time and resource and these, you know, it's possibly the busiest career you could possibly go into, utilizing the limited resource you've got in the most efficient manner possible. So if there's a way we can use AI or IoT to streamline the data and present it in a way that means they can make better, more informed, possibly quicker decisions um, in their day-to-day life, you know, that's that's a, a massive help. And, and I think you touched on a, a really good point is that it's that understanding and, and, and recognizing the fact that, you know, healthcare resources is a scarcity around the world. Um, and so any anything we can do to make a healthcare professional do their job easier, more efficiently, I think is a win for everybody. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... I think we find the the fact that you know uh, the problems in healthcare, um, as you say, are, are not going to go away. Um, you know the the lack of healthcare um, facilities and and the ability to support um, our doctors and GPs um, and 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 the national health service here in the UK is, is somewhat lacking. Um, but once we take into consideration the amount of data as well um, that, that that's ever on the increase, um, you know the part of digitizing data which is 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 something that you guys are you know in the market for is a huge part of uh, giving healthcare providers more control over data um, and helping them and assisting them to quickly make better informed decisions um, over over a person's healthcare um, w- would you say that that's the case 100% you know we one of the one of the kinds of statistics out there that that boggles the mind is 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 this one so on average in the u.s and i believe it's pretty close in the uk the average person visits their doctor four times per year so that means four times per year we're collecting things like weight um you know some self-reported uh details blood pressure and that blood pressure may be subject to white coat syndrome so we're collecting a substandard 
set of information about an individual at, at that point in time, four times per year. I mean, look, it's better in, in, in Japan where it's 13 times per year. But is that enough? If you, if you were trying to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life, would you do that on four samples of data? Probably not. You know, imagine, you know, even 10 to 15 years ago or, or further back than that, people were reading the Wall Street Journal uh, here in America, of course, and, and we're making decisions on, on buying stock based on that. Um, it's not enough anymore. And obviously four times per year to collect that data and not have that complete picture of an individual, it's not enough to make an investment in somebody's health. No, absolutely. And it goes without saying, there's so many different ways now in which data is used within the healthcare industry uh, that can that can give the ability to understand events that have happened previously um, and, and to allow professionals to predict what the future trends might be um, for, for a person's future health um, or, you know, how they can improve or prevent, um, you know, the the, the prediction that, that's come from from the data that they've, they've had fed back to them um, I think you know that's where AI comes in assisting um, and, and driving intelligent decision making um, for for healthcare professionals um, so um, I mean what what do you think the bigger picture is in terms of AI driven analytics within healthcare well you know I, I think there, there's no question it's it's all about first we need information to be in a in a repeatable and predictable uh, kind of structure and and in order to make that work obviously the thing that you know the, the, the thing that is so incredibly important is is governance and and people hear that word and they get very bored but you know it, it is actually a, a, a very exciting uh, facet to all of this how how can we actually collect this information and present it and do anything with it if we're not sure of its of its quality and its security. So, so governance is, you know, obviously much more than just compliance. Um, LifeMesh is, is really concerned about not just getting this data, but making sure that there's a solid governance platform to help throughout the entire process. And, you know, I mentioned that process before, acquiring, synthesizing and analyzing it, and then disseminating uh, insights. That entire process end to end needs to have significant control and significant security. Uh, significant quality or else there's there's in fact not a benefit there's there's a risk to offering up that information but once that once that information is is then governed in the correct way then it's a matter of taking that information um, and then leveraging it for further insights beyond just you know typically collecting that information so you know when, when we're acquiring that information a lot of people today are plotting it and maybe they're looking at it in an aggregate way but you know, there, there is a little bit of a turf war that we're seeing in terms of, of, of vendors really trying to push their brands. Um, and, and I think that's going to have to come to an end. I think what we need, it's pretty clear, is, is a common platform, a common language that we can speak to have an understanding of, of this information and do more than simply plot it. Just pausing for that plane to pass by. <laughs> yeah, Josh is currently sat on a rooftop at seventy-two degrees Fahrenheit. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot warmer <laughs> now. It's about me. it's about eighty-three degrees, and and it's actually a tropical garden, and there are, there are uh, koi uh, around me. It, it's quite lovely. So, a- apologies for the background noise, and apologies that, that you're not here it's with so me. So jealous. Uh, <laughs> but but once we have that information, then it's not just the signals. Okay, so what what do we what can we glean from those signals in and of themselves? Well, quite a bit. 
um, especially when it's not just on the individual context, but then we're looking at it in a broader population context. Now start bringing in things like an electronic health record that states uh, changes to an individual's conditions, their, their doctor's appointments, even if they've missed them or not, medication compliance, uh, their, their claims, and even assessments from their doctors. All of those we see as fair game and they're all a part of that bigger picture. Finally, when you have that, and, and Dewey is, will touch on the analytics process of how we deal with this, but you know, we, we offer uh, and we bring, we, and we believe that the most important thing is leveraging this complete picture of an individual, bringing all of those threads together to understand a, a, a person and a population's health. But the next thing that's really important is, is then disseminating that information. So, you know, really understanding it, as Dewey talked about a customer journey, we're, we're, we're people and we need to understand an individual's journey uh, we need to be able to bring those together and and really understand what's happening with that individual. So we see AI as being a critical part of that, helping us to leverage that understanding of what's a golden path for an individual and what does a deviation look like and how do we get them back onto that right path. Um, and finally, um, even leveraging AI to understand who an end user is. So is it a physician? Is it is it or or is it a patient or is it a family member? But then even within that aspect, are they colorblind? Do they have vision problems? Do they have cognitive issues? And and actually using AI to craft the user interface so that that individual can take the the greatest possible meaning from the information that's provided to them. Um, and and really that's it. So so we see AI driven analytics as as providing a substantial opportunity for for perpetual improvement this opens up quite a big world as well into um you know, a lot of people when they say internet of things they're thinking of services like if this then that you know where you get an input and an output happens from it the future for this you know we've we've got ecgs now built into apple watches and heart rate monitors in wearables everywhere if this information is then directly input into um, health records and ai is then used to track patterns and trends and stuff through that. If someone has an irregular heart condition happen, AI could then, you know, work out, oh, this has happened several times. Maybe actually I should, you know, get in touch with the emergency services because this person's probably going to have a heart attack. Or if someone has a fall based on previous actions, the AI can recommend actually, you know, maybe we should call their primary carer or maybe, you know, we should call someone else or get in touch with someone else because this person has had this and we need to make sure that they're okay there's 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 so many impl implementations where this could kind of blow people's minds as it were and and i think you touch on a really good point um mm -hmm. in terms of the you know ai itself it's it's only as good as the data that it sees in terms of the information that's made available to it predictions can only as go as far as sort of the breadth and depth of that data and, and this is where i think a, um, IoT is changing the landscape of things. You know, the fact that um, IoT devices are becoming more ubiquitous thanks to vendors like Samsung, to Apple, to apps like Samsung Health and the such. And just imagine for a second that, you know, as of August 2019, we do some napkin math here, um, but the estimated number of people with smartphones is 5.5 billion. And given the fact that the global population is 7.7 .7 billion, that's more than half of the, of the people on this planet with access to our smartphone. And we know in those smartphones, there's a lot of sensors, um, accelerometers, stuff to make sure that you know, you're, you're measuring your heart rate, 
um, your step counts, your sleep patterns, and whether they know it or not, you know, they already have a diary of um, their, you know, of their, 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 their personal activities. Um, and that in itself just presents such a massive opportunity. When you talk, when you, when you consider the, the volume of data that's available, you know, it, where it's an opportunity where, you know, people can have a choice if, you know, we have smart AI that can inform us of, you know, based on the everyday choices that we make, uh, we have a choice where, you know, even if we don't have access to the world's finest doctors, we have a choice in terms of improving our healthy lifestyles. Um, and there are implications of that, you know, and, you know, if, if we are more, if we are empowered by our own data to take healthier choices, that means that we would require less visits to the doctor or have unplanned trips to the hospitals. Then ultimately that means though, you know, healthcare resources as scarce as it already is can be better allocated elsewhere. And I think that, that the implication of that is it's pretty huge. Um, and as Josh touched on and, and with respect to population health. Um, I think the big opportunity here, it's, it's personalized care. You know, you, if you look to the online ad industry, you know, these guys were pioneers of collecting very, very, very nuanced and specific data in terms of the websites that you visited, when and where, what time of the day, for how long, whether you were on a Mac or PC or on your iPhone, just to tell you what curl of socks you should get for Christmas. You know, that, that, that's something that's so uniquely tailored um, to, you know, you as an individual. So imagine sort of, you know, that attention to detail um, where, you know, if you had the, the, the right amount of patient data you know, uh, from, from a population health perspective, um, that potential to personalize patient treatment programs that potential to improve patient care and lowering costs, it's its really hard to ignore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just want to kind of go back to a point there, Dewey, that you made earlier about AI being only as good as the data that it's given. Um, you know, it, it, it brings us on really to the, the, the third part of the podcast, really, where we ask some questions around sort of security. But, but one thing that this has thrown up for me is, that it, is a little bit about what about when the data isn't given? You know what? What about the resiliency um, of, of the IoT devices in healthcare? Um, you know what happens when these devices don't report back, or they're disconnected from the internet, or they're, you know, hacked, or that information doesn't go through to our healthcare providers for them to be able to assess our health patterns. What? What then? What's the resiliency? Yeah, that, that's that's a great question, and I think the fact that. Um... The, the the sort of I wouldn't say sudden, but you know the the emergence of of, of IoT technology and yes the, the associated technologies to process that data. Um, I think vendors of of of, of um, IoT technologies such as AWS, you know, they've picked up on the fact that they need to handle those um, boundary cases. So I think not too long ago, I think within the past two three years, um, AWS had. Uh, pushed off this this idea of I think it's Lambda Edge, where so the, so this notion of IoT Edge technology actually covers those exact specific scenarios. You know if you know if you lose you know if if an IoT device loses its connection, um, what are some of the access patterns that that can happen? Where can can the data be cached in such a way where once the the data does get its um, does get a uh, some kind of internet internet connection to publish that data, it'll do that. 
And the fact that, you know, cloud platform vendors such as AWS are providing those services makes it easier for, for us as, as sort of, you know, the enablers of that technology um, to, to, to leverage that and integrate it to our, our core offerings. Um, but I think that does raise another interesting issue is that um, data governance, I think, in my opinion, it's, it's more than just being compliant. Um, it's, it's also ensuring a certain level of data quality such that it's usable for any kind of analytical purpose. So great, great point. From an application perspective, we do regularly scan for things like what is the status of, of the battery of IoT devices and, and, you know, has it disconnected and when was the last time it's disconnected? And we raise those as alarms to those who are, are responsible for caring for these individual populations. So, you know, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a broader dialogue about, you know, how do we handle it? How do we, you know, I guess the term store them forward would be certainly a part of that. How do we make sure that we're not losing these snippets of data? Because obviously as, you know, we transition to becoming more dependent and reliant upon this kind of data, uh, upon IOT data and upon these signals, you know, it, it really is the heartbeat of, of know our understanding of what's going on with the population so you know really just understanding from an operational perspective i think is important and making sure that when people start to consume uh this iot information and really make it a part of, of their culture because we are talking about a cultural shift here um i think that it's really important that we know that now obviously that that's a you know per device per user kind of problem if we're dealing with geographic outages and and other kinds of outages, that, that's another problem. But, you know, I, that's not necessarily one that we're looking to tackle, um, uh, you know, right out of the gate. We are working on a platform that is called the Augmented Care Effectiveness uh, Framework. And what that's meant to do is to actually consume uh, data using, you know, exactly the same thing that we're doing right now. And, and Dewey can take you into the details if you're interested. But effectively, the idea behind that is saying, somebody experienced a particular event. So let's say um, a, a surgery or a procedure. And based upon the attributes of this individual, um, what is their propensity to develop complications within the next 30 days with a selectable tolerance, which will allow the understanding of events which may be occurring in the future. So that's where we're trying to help uh, physicians, you know, collect to, to really leverage that information to really predict what's going to happen and what are the potential outcomes. So, you know, in, in the event, and I'm just putting this out there in the event that um, there was a vast outage or a vast shortage, ACE could potentially be used. ACE is what we call our augmented care effectiveness platform. We could potentially use that to highlight risks that are upcoming and really help to prioritize, even in the absence of signal data, patients for whom uh, physicians, primary care uh, providers, and, and care managers could be um, alerted and leverage that information to make sure that they're aware of who's in the greatest need. Well, we've got um, the, the thoughts as well. Uh, Microsoft, uh, AWS, Google, you know, they've, they've got their, well, their in, the intelligent security clouds and their you know, data lakes for all their AI stuff. There's a, a crazy amount of data in there that can be used um, on an infrastructure level as well. Um, I mean, you guys have um, recently suffered at the hands of, uh, of Dorian. Um, with weather data that's being put into this stuff, we've got AI predictions that would allow us to 
um, you know, upscale, offload different parts of our infrastructure to different data centers, to different areas to try and help mitigate something should a disaster that um, strike that might mean that actually you then don't have the outage. There's, there's all of this stuff that could be used in the back end as well that could help um, juggle stuff around, um, you know, spin up extra offline caches, make sure all your data's uh, replicated across sites, all this, all these things that um, some people had, you know, and, until five minutes ago, I, I hadn't even thought of. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the, uh, security is a, is a big piece of, of, of what's going to happen in terms of AI and, and IoT in the in the future. I think we really need to be um, aware of, of the resiliency around the devices that we're offering out to patients and also the security of those devices. Because, I mean, say, for instance, uh, again, I'll mention a device being hacked or um, some sort of data being intercepted, for instance, um, you know, potentially depending on that kind of data or, or what that patient is relying upon on that data going back to the healthcare professional for, um, you know, could that potentially be life-threatening you know to, to that patient is it is it that much of a risk depending on on the data you know that, that's going back there um you know what how does life mesh tackle security around the solutions that you have in place for personal and population health yeah so it's 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 definitely one of those um you know being an analytics company it's uh, and i'm going to say something very trite here but you know with great responsibility sorry, with great power comes with comes great responsibility and and for us, I think that's especially true, mm-hmm. um, you know, given the fact that, you know, when you hear about, when you hear about data breaches happening every other week, you know, being compliant, it's, it's, it's not enough to instill, you know, a, a certain level of confidence that we want to have with our, with our end users. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely ingrained in our company ethos to be diligent about how our products are being used and, and by whom. That that means you know, really really understanding you know, the access patterns behind the products and the data that we have available, and anticipating how that may change in the future, especially in the health care space where very likely government policies surrounding the protection of that data is going to evolve and continue to evolve, um, and there's also going to be increasing expectations of um, being transparent about how that health healthcare data is being handled. And so being a company where, you know, we do have an emphasis on, on IoT, where, you know, it's, it's that on aggregate, when you have that, that, that more holistic picture of the patient, um, that it, it's, it's incumbent on us to ensure that we can secure and protect that data. Um, and, and, we, we, and we do this in a couple of ways um, beyond having a well-architected solution to ensure um, we, we correct our data at rest in transit to make sure that we have our APIs are secure um, and we have an understanding of how, um, how our applications are talking to each other and to the end user. I think one thing that's especially important to us is this exercise of cataloging our data. Um, and being an AI company, you know, we see you know, we see different types of data sources as opportunities, but that that just means that um, from a cataloging perspective, you know, we need to understand, you know, what data are we collecting and how is that going to change over time? Because we, you know, it's as you can imagine, you know, a data definition never remains static; it's always subject to change. 
So being able to capture those changes um, and reflect it uh, as much as we can with our data catalogs, such that we can provide reporting on who is accessing what, why are they accessing what they're accessing, when and how they're accessing that data, having that, 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 that deep understanding, uh, being able to identify that and report on it, um, it's, 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 it's crucial to what we try to do. And as you can probably imagine, as, as we scale as a company to take on more complex types of data, um, where our catalogs are growing at a certain scale, um, you know, being able to protect that data in a transparent manner, it's gonna be a challenge. Um, but you know, this is also where we can look to use machine learning to actually help us classify um, and uh, protect our data by understanding how is that data being used and to define um, and, and to understand, you know, based on you know, based on you know where this data is being made available and how it's being accessed. This gives us the, the certain visibility that we need to protect that data. It's not just a challenge from uh, the platform perspective either. There's going to be so much of this is um, end user education, so to speak, where people have to understand um, what data that they are giving up to these services and which services that they are being shared with. Um, we've seen the rise of um, health insurance companies who um, you know, offer you a free Apple Watch if you take their services, but um, your policy is directly linked actually to the statistics that are reported back from that watch. So there's going to be some people who, you know, oh, look at all the technology. Yes, I'll sign all that away, but then may not actually realize that by doing that, they're directly affecting, um, you know, their insurance policies. They might then be, um, you know, rejected for certain things based on their health data or um, have certain opportunities either granted or taken away. Um, and it's it's going to be really important to educate people and have enough digestible information for them to be able to weigh up the balance as to whether it's something that they want to do. I think that's a great point. And, you know, you guys remember when the whole Cambridge, um, the, the scandal with Facebook breaking out not that long ago, there was almost an immediate cultural shift in the terms of how, in terms of how data is being handled. You know, how, how often had, had we, been presented, you know, a 30 page end user license agreement. And we just, our terms and conditions, we just scroll through it without realizing the implication it has on, on us as, a, as an individual. Um, but it took an event as big as that to really, you know, bring into dialogue. What it, does it really mean when you share your data? I think this is applicable to any kind of industry within retail, within healthcare, anytime when your data is being collected. What does that really mean? Um, and and it's a great point where you know educating the end users it's it's to the benefit for everybody. Um, and I think with that sort of push and that awareness there, I think you know the expectations of um, making you know having that 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 education in terms of how is that data being used and how does it impact me in a in a in in, in a way that's interpretable simple and easy to understand um it's, it's going to be so important for the time to come definitely well i mean jimmy thank you so much and josh to you as well thank you so much i mean this this is something that 
we could talk about for absolutely hours on end, but we literally have 40 minutes to, to try and, and cram everything into it. So um, I think, you know, companies such as Life Mesh out there are starting to make some real positive changes within the world of healthcare using IoT and AI. Um, we've so much left to explore and maybe that's for, for another podcast down the line. Um, would you guys like to just leave us, um, you know, perhaps with a, a final note on, on, on the whole topic of this podcast, the future of IoT and AI? And healthcare and, and kind of any remaining thoughts for our listeners yeah so so first of all thank you so much for for having us I, I, you know i certainly speak for myself and probably dewey as well in saying that we we've enjoyed um, being a part of it with you today um and uh, you know we see an incredible future here uh, you know there is just a vast amount of opportunity and there's a vast need um and it's a global issue so while we are, you know, we do have um, individuals in, in the UK that are that are helping us get ramped up there, and you know, it would be it would be wonderful to work with identity experts um, to you know embark upon a few programs in the UK to um, to get things really going to help begin with the acquisition of that data, with the governance synthesis and and publishing of insights to both individuals or families and physicians, so we can start to take better care of, of individuals. And I mean, you know, the, it, the opportunity is now, the technology is available and um, we're, we're just incredibly excited. We've had great traction here and uh, we are definitely looking for partners to get going with in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of the future uh, of AI and IoT in healthcare, do we, have you got any final thoughts as well that you'd like to add on there? Yeah, I, I, I would like to say that, you know, it's 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 so common where you know you hear about you know the latest and greatest innovations that that AI has to offer, um, but there's not enough dialogue around you know, this particular topic. You know, when you have AI that can be so powerful, how do you govern that? You know, yeah. how do you make sure that it's 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 applied in in the correct way? And I think that's it's a difficult topic because. You know, there's no sort of industry standard to to how we do this. You know, yes, we have you know the GPDR and and HIPAA um, in the states, but in its current form, it's it has to evolve um, as as AI becomes more powerful and complex. Yeah, 100%. We've got the technology, but what do we do with it next? And, and I think that's a really good question. Maybe next next podcast, that's what we can get on to. <laughs> we'll certainly be looking to have you on again. Um, well, it, it, thank you, everybody, for your time. It's been absolutely amazing um, to, to have you onto, onto our podcast. Um, thank you for joining us also, Matt, our Chief Tech at Identity Experts. And um, I think it's time to wrap up there. And hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. So huge thank you to Life Mesh. So thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today. We've had some great insights into the world of healthcare, the future of AI and IoT within healthcare. Um, and thank you to everybody that's been listening today. If you want to get in touch with us on this topic, then drop us an email to Stacey D or Matt F at identityexperts.co.uk um, or find us both on LinkedIn. Quite happy to chat. And thank you. And that is all for now.